0: Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. A retrospective.
1: Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyos Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters. And they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at Werewolf: The Apocalypse. Dash retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter which seems to be early 2022 the game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us the fans including scenarios investigations beautiful miniatures and more with that thanks for your time hey everybody welcome back to 25 years presents
0: Requiem Belial's brood part two and I do all that because I like that sales voice pushing it in making sure you hear it in your ear. And uh, I, of course, say I'm accompanied by Brentron. Uh Ave Satani, everyone. <laughs> Ave Satani, deuce. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Devil words. Uh DJ man, welcome.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm here to sell you that extended warranty you never needed.
0: I. This is a this is a pot of evil right now, right? That's that's two sails and satanic whales, as it said, and we can get this going. Um, Where we left off last time, we were talking about kind of the origin story of Belial's Brood, and because we were already asked, already, and they said, why do you just not give the review of the book, drop, and move on? Valid question, I feel, fellas, and here's the deal. I like this book. Now, little known fact, when you like the book, you want to talk about it. But not in a way you understand. Let me explain why we sometimes do a little more than a typical review. What goes on is, is that there is books that kind of redefine the concepts that they're pulled from. And in this, The Bilal's Brood sort of is the answer to the way I feel the uh, Bali should have been. Right, I I think it it makes it a more playable, not not playable as in you can play them, but as a storyteller and portraying them. They give you the blueprint here of how to actually play Bilal's Brood your way, your choice. With the freedom to say, there's nothing definite, they're still mysterious, and they're still monstrous. But their monstrousness has a purpose. You can ask why it's there, and they define what it is. And this is our attempt that when you hear the review, you go through this and go, I didn't think about that, but these guys warrant a second look. Mm-hmm. And to get that detail for you, because I believe in the endeavor of the author and even understand why the, uh, I believe it was the production manager. What did I say in the beginning? The forward that, that he had put there about why developer? he. Developer. Developer's That's note. Yeah. Thank you. The developer's note where mm-hmm. more or less he said they were good as a mystery. Mm-hmm. Why defend all that? I will say I agree they're good as a mystery, but if you're me, you also like to hear what they intended. Yeah. And, I'm, and we're, we're to get into why. And that's why I want to save the energy of you two for. And here's why. we're going to start this off with one of the most pivotal points. Now, when I want you to do this is this is unprecedented. I understand that the two separate different types of play and Requiem vampires are different than, than, you know the standard typical V20 vampires, but we're going to make this distinction on purpose. You guys know what the Bali are by now. Absolutely. If not, go ahead and do an internet search. Look at your White Wolf wiki, wherever you're going to go to get that info. Look at your down and dirty quick description. And I want you to think about them and listen to the, and come back and listen to this. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing here is we're going to compare apples to oranges. I am telling you straight up, hands down, no takebacks. They're fundamentally from the same wheelhouse. Fundamentally, though. That means the base of what they are. But here is where they differ, right? And we're going to get into that right now. So what we start off with is that the bodily... Excuse me. I did it right there. I didn't mean to. Uh, Bilal's Brood have sort of a process to become one. It is not just, yeah, I got the blood, boom, I give it to you, and now you are one, right? It does, it's not about that. They have a full-fledged setup here. And to tell us a little bit about that um, process or what makes them different, not necessarily that calling... Um, But mentality, that's a good way to go. The mentality that they go for. We should talk about their lack of pathing. Now, both of you gave me a look like, what do you mean by that? We're all used to path talk. Right? Roads, paths, ways to go. (coughs) And these guys, and even Hmm. humanity is its own sort of monkey speech. Right? Like, it's, but I mean by it's rote. Like, you don't need to be told how to be a human. Guys, we are humans. We're all human beings, guys and gals, and in, in, in those in between, and that's, and that's sort of the, the obvious. Now, because of that, do we really need a humanity scale? And I've always felt that, because like, you know right from wrong and morality, and it plays in there. But in Requiem, they don't really focus on any other form of thinking that might be different as much as is the story of what you're playing. Mm-hmm. And Blau's Brood kind of stands that on its head in a different direction. And what I'm talking about here is the pursuit, guys. What can you tell me about this pursuit that the, uh, the Belial's Brood talk about.
2: So before before we get straight into that, I want to address something, because I can already hear some, some people asking these questions. We don't... Like Bob said, there are no paths in Requiem, right? But we've talked in, in the past that uh, most of these covenants, they're, they're more ethic-based, right? You could argue that covenants replace paths to a degree. But even though the Belial's Brood can fall into that, right, they go more into that with the pursuit, which is a... Um, Unlike the the uh, Lancaea that have their doctrine that they, they go out and they have their holy work, right? They're stagnant. They don't move. They don't change. Belial's brood does pursue a, a, a dark, twisted form of, of enlightenment, surpassing things that... that hold them back which other people might think the the beast is a form of control or restriction of you but they argue it's the man that's the restriction that every time they they further themselves in this pursuit they're shedding off bits and pieces of the man that they once were
1: you know that's also a good question to ask and i'll throw a curveball at you there brennan help me define then you know because when i first read this how does this differ for you versus Golconda or someone who is even Ordo Dracul trying to transcend into using coils and otherwise?
2: Uh, because uh, Ordo Dracul is, is going off in a completely different direction because they're, they're not trying to conquer the beast. They're trying to become something completely different. They're not trying to become uh, stronger vampires. They're moving path, past rather vampires in, in a pursuit of transcendence that are, that are all on their own. But is that possible?
0: Can we agree that that's not possible? Like, can we can we talk about that a second? Like, whether whether you want to say it is or not. Like, you mentioned covenant is the same as a path, and I disagree. Mm-hmm. I'm cool with that distinction. I get where you can draw that correlation, mm-hmm. but when you talk about everything everything embraces even before embraces on humanity, your club doesn't make you who you are. I don't give a damn mm-hmm. what club you join. That's not who you are. Mm-hmm. What you decide to make that club is a different thing entirely. And anything that's easily dropped, changed, or or walked away from, that's not your moral code. That's not what you are. And so that's the defining difference, right? So a moral compass is something that you can't do anything about. What that means is something external has to shock you from the decision you would normally make, to get you not to make it, to not mm-hmm. follow that pathing, path right? And so, that's why I think they're different. Like, I could be a Carthian or, or be in the Invictus, and that doesn't necessarily mean, just because they got rules for the club or a way of being, that, I, that that's me. I'm not. That's not me. However, paths, in referring to old World of Darkness sort of thing, that is what they're doing you're completely changing the human perspective to play something alien that is distinctly different and thus more monstrous. Right. And because because it's nothing you've ever known before. And it's something that stands out. And in the distinction you're talking about, I think what you said is still solid and kind of drawing that correlation because a lot of people do play it that way, right? When mm. I'm part of a covenant, I say that's me. However, once again, we get to Bilal's Brood and you look at the pursuit, which is this weird enlightenment thing. And DJU has a solid point. What's the difference between the Ordo and whatever? Now, the Ordo, they say and claim, Brennan's not wrong. They claim their confineness, their evolving past, or discovering some scientific method past that. I made fun of them, mm-hmm. right? Scientific method, you, you're supernatural. What's your science there? And then, like, you know, there's a <laughs> method, of, like, it doesn't hold up to any sound argument. But they don't, they're not on on stage to be judged by a human, They're pursuing it their way, and they're immortal. How long have they been doing that, and who am I to question it, right? That becomes a belief system, but at that point, that's where Brentron says that's why that's a path of enlightenment, in a way, right? Because that's what they choose. But is it? Is it just that when an immortal chooses to go at something for long enough, it becomes a part of them because they chose to make it a part of them? And that makes it a fascinating paradox sort of discussion, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. what comes first and what makes you. But if you look at what morality is supposed to be, it's supposed to be ingrained in you from an environment perception, right? It's sort of like, how do you know right from wrong? Well, if you're raised in a
2: barbaric society, if we were raised in Sodom and Gomorrah, like allegedly it was... That's a different morality, right? So because of that, I I can't... I I feel as though you and I have had this conversation before, but if we haven't, I'm fucking excited. Okay, so I... Coming from starting from Requiem and going forward, I never associated your humanity scale with being equivalent to morality. What I associated that with is how close you were to being human, how much of you is still human, whether you keep all those, like those uh, social customs and, and just what you had in life with you. And as you fall back down your humanity scale, it's not you becoming more evil, it's you forgetting what it is to be human you see these things that you know used to spark joy or used to have some connection to right Mm -hmm. and it's no longer there because you can't understand it all you can understand is something smells like blood here and i'm hungry
0: you know you're you're not wrong right because that system is very much written but what you're forgetting about is the virtues the virtues are what you're referring to right the humanities is a guide it's, it's a skill to let you know how to role play how low you're getting, what that might look like when others see you. Mm-hmm. And so it's a guideline, right? But your virtues serve as that dictation. That's why there's things like conscience versus uh, instincts versus self-control and all that fun stuff, right? They're, they're there to show you how to portray the strength of your moral fiber. So your morality, like let's, 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 let's do this this way. If I have a path and I have, uh, I don't know, something everybody could get easily. Because mm-hmm. it's similar to humanity. Honorable accord, right? Yeah. And it still has a conscience as as, as a function and still has self-control
2: that's there, yeah. right? It's interesting. But it's an alien way of thinking, right? Because you're... I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. You go. No, no, it. no, no,
0: no. You're Right, so my understanding
2: of honorable accord is not like... Well, it is you have a... Duh, you have a code, like, of chivalry or code of, you know, insert Milan or inner council, whatever, traditions, whatever, right? And you have you have made the transition where these are your guiding principles and you're now on life. You can kill in the pursuit of them. Right. And you won't shed a tear because you did nothing wrong. It won't occur to you that anything you did was wrong because it is in line with what you have, with these new tenets for your life.
0: I'm sitting here questioning myself in the back of my head. I was like on the virtues for them. Are they that did we get them right? I'm just making sure. Um, so, yeah, 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 they're the same. Like, well, because it serves the purpose I'm trying to. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Mm-hmm. You're right in seeing how that function goes. But what you mentioned was um, kind of like d- understanding the distinction, right? And when you realize it's a role-play guide is what that scale is for, whether it's your path or humanity, they're one in the same, right? They're the same category. It's your virtues everyone should pay attention to for understanding how you should play it because they give one-word descriptors for the level that you're at, for the right. virtues, and they give that overarching angle about what a conscience is, what instinct is, and that's how you role-play that path, is the virtues, but to the degree in what your actions should be filtered through or judged by is everything else. Now, this being said, so folks see that we're not really, we're, you need to understand this, because if you're, whether you're an Old World fan or you're, you're, new, you're new to Requiem or you're a Requiem fan, you never heard of Old World, this is actually a common debate of why people do not like Requiem. Because it changes what they just learned when it comes to path play and what the hell is this? Now, when I read Bull Alsberry before and I got to this part that said that they have their own thing and it's called the pursuit, I was like, come on. Like we, we can't even play these guys and they got their I don't understand why this is here. But if you slow down like I did and you go back and, and, and try to understand, this pursuit is not like anything you've ever heard of, and very much from Brennan already said, it's them learning to kill the human side of themselves. That they have to do themselves. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. That's the distinction. This is a self-fulfilled path that the Balos brood walks. They are uh, the Forsworn. They're they're really terrifying. And that the authors did their job here in the creation of this to give you a total package. Because before you have an excuse. If you're a Bali. you have an excuse. Somebody captured you and embraced you into them and did some right to make you them. And hell guides them. And if we don't keep them at bay, the monsters get loose and destroy the world. I did it for power and sold my soul. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's like, what's the value of a vampire soul when given up for an infernal investment? And the answer is squat. You're already immortal. Who cares? Right? Let's roll on. In a long enough timeline, you're going to fit right in in hell. We don't got to do anything. Right? That's the mentality. And it's rightly so. Because we know what, what, what mortals do when they get power. If you look at Balal's brood, it says, No. No. A special person becomes Belial's brood. It's it's a process. Now, to explain a bit more of this pursuit, there's some fundamental differences too. You cannot be placed in the path of the pursuit.
2: No, you can't be you can't be indoctrinated into it. You can't be recruited into it, embraced into it. Even uh everyone feels like some some call, some yearning that will bring them to I most likely the brood themselves, or things connected to the brood, or the demiurge of the adversary, right? Like, um, I, I do want to talk about this because it the it doesn't talk about it in the um in the section we're reviewing, right? Chapter two, but in that first intro story, it was like that dude that was completely out of place going to that club. That was the the front, right? Mm-hmm. He was he was a mortal that had the call, right? He was searching for something, but he didn't know what it was. But he knew that place would lead it there. That that was a that's a, a beautiful uh, a- example of how the pursuit would start.
0: And it's interesting because how how the pursuit would start is is not exactly the call. I agree with <coughs> right. Like maybe maybe they're being pulled to it, but the pursuit I felt. Well, you tell me if you still feel that, right? I, there's the thing I, I made sure to quote here. It's that there is no formula, no blueprint or guide mm-hmm. to the twists and turns of the pursuit. Each must find his or her own path and learn from it what he can as they progress along it. Whatever form the pursuit takes, it always involves the gradual stripping away of a vampire's humanity. I.e., only a truly wicked person is ever called to this, to this group. Mm-hmm. There are no innocents here. There is no victimization and no ability for you to say, I'm not responsible for what I became. Do you see what I'm
1: saying? It's It says... Fa- I was about to say. No victims. Because you... I, I was about to say, because, you know, the we already know we're not playing good guys to begin with. Uh-huh. And I think one of the things to kind of outline to it, and I guess this helps us segue into at least the call, because we should at least speak about what the call is. The way the call is written. The, though, the, we're call, not the call's coming. Call
0: too- the call's coming. See, there's a flow here, guys, I'm going to and I keep trying to circle right. back as you're trying to jump ahead. I'm not just talking to you two. Right? And I'm trying to keep everybody in the conversation with us. So the pursuit, let's get past the pursuit, right? Ballows right. brood pursue what's called the pursuit. And that's sort of what their moral goal is, is the devouring of their humanity to give reign to the beast that's inside. However, unique to them, they don't lose what they are in so doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How that happens? Let's jump to explaining the Trinity, because as complex as it is, that's the piece that puts the rest of this together.
2: Yeah. So the, now, the oh, sorry. Go ahead. If you no, go no. On. I was, I was, I was just going
0: to have DJ do it.
2: Like he's oh. rearing to go. And I. Yeah. Cut okay. Him off. I'm, I'm hogging shit. DJ, you go ahead.
1: Um. <laughs> hopefully, I remember all parts of the. Uh, uh, I do now. Okay. So the Trinity, of course, is. Much as we were talking a little bit in our last podcast about the Goetia, there's a lot of alchemical things that are kind of put together, alchemical, I should say, um, and or things that have to deal with specific things. When it comes to the Trinity, they speak about these three aspects of this God body that exists or what makes up a brood from a fundamental or philosophical point of view. Um, The three aspects of it are the pneuma. Uh, which speaks directly to the spirit, right? What distinguishes them in terms of an entity prior to just living inside of a meat sack, right? What is that, that power in between? Uh, then they speak about the Soma, which is that static portion of it. They are vampires. They are undead. They're ever living. What exists within this world that they could hold on to and or manipulate within that particular fashion? And then the other far spectrum of it, kind of the unholy trinity, if you want to call it that, is the Sarks, at this point, this is the flesh, right? This is the act- This is the opposite of the numa, where you're looking at the spirituality of what makes you transcend. Now, this is just the base creature of that which you also are because this is also talking about the beast. The beast cannot get away from the things that are in front of it, the tangible. Um, and those three aspects are what create the trinity. And it's very interesting because this has never gotten brought up before, not even within the order, not even within the circle of the crone. Uh, the way that they're codifying this makes you wonder then if these three aspects are important to a member of the brood what does this all mean and we haven't even gotten to that portion yet but just to call that portion out in terms of it just talking about the trinity itself is is a little mind boggling i i'm not going to lie when i first read this part i was like okay this is where the first twist came for me uh, where i kind of felt it's a little bit out of place there it takes a lot to, to what I thought I was getting. it takes
2: a lot to digest that right like when i was first reading this i was right. like how is how is the Sarks and the soma not the same thing but uh, it took a while like of dwelling in a decent amount of google foo to for, for me to really pick up that the, the soma was more like your it is your the physicality of you right it refers to your body and the strength of that or or related to that the sarks are the are the drives of the flesh it's your hunger it's your lust it is every materialistic uh, impulse that you have that's how that's my understanding of it this is this is one of the most philosophical texts i think we've ever reviewed now, so if y'all a different,
0: what I'm going to tell you is just what they say, and, and you guys, I'm not going to say we're, we're not experts, right? Yeah. And you're you're free to have an opinion, opinion but as they outline it, I, I did take note of this, and this part I enjoyed thoroughly because it makes it made it read to me it made perfect sense. But that's that's different. Aspects of it. let's say I'm better. It's just the same. When I got here, I did slow down because I don't want to talk like a my ass about it, right? And so in this, in their words, it says the Numa is the essential spirit. Now, this is the supernatural spark that separates the self from the twin prisons of the flesh and the material world, Mm -hmm. right? Simply put, the pneuma is the driving force that pushes them onward through their pursuit, which is the the ability to ruin their own humanity, right? And it is the seat of all their passions and the um, desires of the psyche is what sits there, right? The the stuff they don't think about that is the desire that they want. And so, in other words, it's, well, this sounds like they're talking about just the spirit in general. Right? Spirits trapped in the flesh and in the material world. Now, the Soma is the essential nature of the sentient form, as they say. And this is referred to as the God body. And through the Soma, being exerts its will over its environment and spurs change in that which is otherwise static. In other words, the Soma is what ties them to the earth. This is what keeps them there. So they define the spirit and give it a different name. And they say it's in the body, and this is why it's here, but then they talk about the sarks. And the sarks, why it's the trinity, is because the sarks is the animal nature of a fleshy being. And this is what probably threw you and throws a lot of people. Because the sarks is, isn't that the same as the beast, the nature that's in, that's all in us? No, they're defining what's in us that does it, and what they call is the basic needs of the flesh. This often correlates to instinct, if you need it in another way. Right, The needs to hunt, to feed, to rest, to claim, keep safe territory. That's what the Sark is. And they claim it's all three. And when you break it down in that way, okay, so that's the soul, the body, and the, the beast itself. And that those are all aspects of us. So what they're saying is, is humans are special. Do you get that? That when they're braced, you're special. What makes you intelligent over an animal? How is it that you have something that animals don't have? Right. Because animals in this and by their definition wouldn't have pneuma.
2: They wouldn't have a soul. Right. They would have this. They would have the Soma. They would have the Sarks, of course. But that that spiritual aspect to them, they're completely devoid of.
0: So right there, they're distinguishing that we're from something, which is interesting. Right. In that regard. But for them, I think the whole reason it's in this book is to get your mind open to that and seeing pulling apart right on a scale to get what they talk about next, because it's a hard concept to swallow when you drop down to what the call is. Uh, and, uh, Brentia, because you already started that that conversation, you want to revisit the call? Tell us what that's about?
2: Yeah, the call is the, the beginning, uh, is everyone's beginning uh, step in joining the brood. Um, <clears throat> and it's not... Um, <laughs> or rather how this manifests is it's completely different for everyone. Sometimes it could be, you know, a series of daymares of you trying to, um, uh, of like, uh, frenzied, uh, Bloodbaths, or you overcoming something, or attaining something, right? It could be as you're walk, as you're stalking rather uh, the the streets at night. You start hearing like the these whispers, or like um, everyone has them, right? Everyone's got that internal monologue, or like those those impulses people have, like ooh, I want to go buy a cronut, if you're me. Uh, although if you're uh, <laughs> if you're probably a vampire, it's going to be for far darker, darker things. But these all lead you in some way to um, uh, every every step uh, closer to the brood, closer to the demiurge, the adversary, whatever term you wanna you wanna call them.
0: And just building a little polish there. One of the ways I like about the call that drew me to like I was riveted is the fact that there is a way to distinguish who would receive the call, right? The call, it may come at you random, just like you said, but there's a reason it comes at you. And and they describe you being amongst others of your kind, right? You may have even been embraced in a covenant. You may have been fine with a sire and living the life, and that's great, but you are seeing between the cracks. You don't get why this prince is in charge, and it's really dumb mm-hmm. that, you know, you're Bob, and you're sitting in the order, and they're telling you that you could become something else, and you're like, I bet you, no matter how hard we go at this, I'm still going to be affected by sunlight. It yeah, don't even
2: matter. It's when you start questioning those established rules, right, uh, of the all-night society or, your co- or like you said, your covenant specifically, right, where you're, you're really starting to come into your own that the only thing I can really rely on is my own power, something that is, like, rooted in that idea.
0: But, but, it's, but it is that, but it's, it's also more, right? Because it's, like, it's great that you don't like them, but is that good enough? No. Nah. It's not good enough that you don't like it. It's not good enough you're bored with it. It's not good enough that you don't agree with it. What they're looking for is that person. Or that, what it's looking for, because um, they would tell you the adversary is involved in the call, is that, and to remind you, the adversary is their demiurge slash devil, uh-huh. if, you, if you prefer. And what it's looking for is that act of rebellion that's in you. And it's rebellion of, it comes in a couple forms, but the two biggest are, one, self-destructive. You don't care so much... That you're no longer cleaning up after feeding. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to make children, but whatever. Right? You're not supposed to commit the aubrey, but it's sometimes a good snack. You know? And it's like you, you're making your own way, and you no longer care about the rules and laws that are supposed to hold you, and you don't care who finds out. Case in point, I want you to think about an interview with the vampire for a second. Who felt the call was Louis when he sat in that, in that, uh, that bar, if you remember, and uh, was playing cards? And they were going to shoot him for allegedly cheating. And he didn't give a shit. He was there wasting money, letting his plantation run into the ground, and didn't give a damn. But what did he attract? Lestat. And in this regard, I want to point out that the call works exactly as they're talking about here. Because in a way, the call is Lestat. That's what Louis called to him. That self-destructive impulse of somebody letting go. It was a delicious aspect it was a human staring into a darkness at that precipice and before letting him go over it some reason drew him to him to see how bad it could get only in this case the call doesn't draw anything to you but the adversary's attention <clears throat> and that's step one and once you have that call it's uh, what's what's some of that process well it's going to lead you into what they call uh, a resonant right mm-hmm. because the call but
1: go ahead dj if if i can because this is this is one of the things that definitely threw a curveball at me now think about it this way right it's much like the same thing we were talking about the story before where that ghoul is going do you accept jesus christ as your lord and savior because the only way the call is going to work is if you accept the adversary as a real thing Mm -hmm. because if you don't imagine any vampire from any covenant who has ever existed is subject to accepting the fact that there's a darker evil or a darker entity and it's there's a possibility that it calls over to it. it so that means this thing has to be real right at some point well, we're not exactly there yet either right because that's the resonant we're, portion right, but too just,
0: because the call that you're talking right. about the call right now is just a gentle whisper that came from you but really something pulled on it right it's accepting right. your will to abandon the lies of society that the vampires say are there and that's what that's what's real that their reality is not real and you know you got to forsake that in other words you got to come with an empty cup does that make better sense
1: it does, but I, I I always feel like that being I almost feel like a an insidiousness to it, right? And I mean it in the most literal sense of the word, is that it could exist in any vampire, any chronicle you tell, any character you even create. There's always that possibility that this could exist, and that's like. It just caught me off guard. It's one of the things but that too, definitely... But was it's too
0: rolled and run because you're absolutely right. and I want you to get to that. What's a resonant, DJ? Because that's the part that I don't think you know, I don't think people are getting. It's like, yeah, you hear the call, but it's not like you hear the call and they say, okay, let's schedule next week for the resonant, mm-hmm. right? It's like you hear right. the call and you believe in this rebellious nature and you see the lie for what they are and you believe that's what it is. But then what What happens?
1: So the resonance itself are... I, this uh, every bit of this all ties into the trinity, right? So if the numa at one point could be the version of the call, the soma or something that's existing here, the static portion, the, the physical stuff, all your resonances. Whereas the Ordo might believe I have haunted sites. Those haunted sites for the brood mean a lot more. The text that exists. Um, if, if you were to go to that, uh, what was it? The the Conjuring house with uh, all those dolls and stuff. I think it must be full of resonances. Mm. The Annabelle doll and the, I forget, the the household It'll it'll catch up to us, folks. But those things are just proof, and the reason why they're called residents is because it's proof that the adversary had left their mark in this world, that you two could connect and commune and get closer towards what the arts uh, that the adversary had in mind. Um, they have some great examples in here, like Mister Jingles. <laughs> <laughs> that was Mister Jingles. The the very quick story about Mister Jingles is there was a little girl who was was very happy. Her dad was about to go to war, but he gave her. A little bear and it had like nice little jingle bells down the center of it and dad's like i gotta go and the little daughter's like nope i don't want you to go and he's like well I-, I gotta go to war i have to do what i gotta do father goes off to war the daughter gets upset with her dad and because she gets upset with her dad she takes it out on mr jingles because obviously her dad's not there for her to voice her displeasure she tears the limbs off this poor bear and just decides to toss him at the riverbank and go like screw this screw dad Whatever. Not long after, Dad comes back from the war, uh, but Dad comes back with no limbs. It's just, it's him—no mm-hmm. arms, no legs. And at that point, um, the little girl had taken it upon herself to recognize that perhaps she did something, and that Mister Jingles himself would have been, you know, that that vessel. So off she goes looking for Mister Jingles, and where it is that she's still looking, where she was looking for the arms and legs and wasn't able to do so, and, um, and had drowned in the process. <laughs> dove
0: in the water where she threw the arms and legs, right? Looked it and drowned at the bottom, and uh, that's that's why it's a resonant because of the tragedy, right? Mm. It's it's the tragic yep. story and what occurred, and there it is, and this object still exists, and because of that, and what sh- what I enjoy about this the most is that it says hearing the call, the whisper of the adversary is great, but you got to connect in a more intimate fashion, and so you got to spend some time with what it's about, and kind of bonding with it. And it's, it's literally a bond. And here we're back to Brentron's scary thing where it's like, you know, it could be... Hell, it could be a book you had on a shelf and never knew about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be that neighborhood house that's the house at the end of the street, right? Who knows? <laughs> but that could be enough to get you to go there. But this is all about the pursuit because you're trying to prepare yourself to ruin, ruin your humanity through inhuman acts. And even they point out, you don't just do that, right? It doesn't matter how long you've been undead. Or, or what actually may have even already committed, you're still not prepared uh, for the for the nature and effort it, re- it requires to bond with that resident. And, uh, and to be, or excuse me, not to bond with the resident, to go towards the pursuit. And the point of bonding with that resident is to sort of accept that nature in you. Does that make sense?
2: Say that one more time for me.
0: All right, let me let me because you were confused. Someone else mm-hmm. is too. So basically, they talk about a resident being unholy objects, places, writings, things that can kind of right. have that essence in it. And a vampire is to prepare their soul for it. Mm-hmm. they got to go there and hang out and let that, well, resonate, which is the point, right? they got to co-mingle. They're sitting there doing the cha-cha or however long it takes. And for some, it's instant. It talks about they get there, and they just boom, right? They spend time with the box, don't open it, but even if they do, they're already a centibite heart. Right? So that's okay. Mm-hmm. They were prepared for it. But if they weren't a centibite at heart, now's the time. Right? they got to absorb it and get it down and make it a part of them. And it's only in a spiritual sense. It's as if they're dimming themselves and spiritually cleansing themselves in this resonant to prepare for the pursuit they have to go on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And if we understand the pursuit is removing them of their humanity, they, there's, there's inhuman acts in their, in their future that they have to let go of not, of not being able to do by getting this energy about them. Because what the resonant is, is the adversary committing certain acts and horrible or terrible things that it's inspired and left in the world that for some reason, Bilal's Brood knows where these things are.
2: Mm
0: You can almost sense and you're drawn to it. And so when you get the call, you get that and now you got this and uh, and you have that going. And what makes this a weird thing is that the resonant is probably the most unique thing about this. Right, because they they don't want to tell you that go do a special rite or go do a special ritual, and that's what I'm getting from the authors. Let's get away from thinking you have to go in a basement and light twenty candles and kill ten babies to to figure this out. It you don't, right? It's 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 you communing with the spirituality of a darker nature, right? This is every bit what someone does. Well, think about what happens when you go to church, right? Have you, you
2: guys? There's a spirituality in your life. Mm-hmm. It's it's like uh it's like almost reciting the catechism or being baptized to a degree, right? Some some rite or ritual that will tie you to that uh, to that church or the the congregation that you're joining. Something to that effect. Uh, it actually literally does that, right? Uh, are we are we about ready to move on to the cathaxis? We're almost
0: we're almost ready to go on to that um, because we're ready to go on to that. I uh, just just want to do that to you because I know you're, <laughs> you're you're here. So uh, go for it, sir.
2: Go for okay. it. Start out. So uh, we so uh, our our new collie, I'll call him, has found uh has found something that has resonance, right? Relic, uh, location, something. But when once they have, once that process we. We're talking about earlier. Has, it comes to a, an end at some point, right? Reaches a completion when your the the soul of that individual forms a connection to the adversary, and well, yeah, to the adversary. And it's at that point wherein the, uh, uh, well, actually, to quote something from my AP literature class, this is the point of no return, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is the um, during this process the collie has the option to turn away, to leave, to not pursue this any further. And this is incredibly important. Uh, because once they... If they turn away from this, it's over. Done forever. No one's going to hunt you down at this point, um, unless this point was reached through, like, you know, a valdery with, with a, a, a bunch of other brood members. But, um... Anyway. <coughs> going through this is when you... St- First, start shedding your humanity. This, this cathexis that they call, accepting it, is your entry into Belial's Brood. And whether that's through you pursuing it on your own by finding an item of resonance or from finding another covey of Belial's Brood. But once that's done and it's completed, those that have found this on a solitary journey are not cast adrift like hermits forever, there is what's called the inmost tug. And I thought this was beautiful. That, that's honestly why I made the, the description I did earlier about binding you to that, to that church or that community, because you will be drawn to other brood. You will know brood on sight because you're one of them now. It doesn't mean they're, they're going to like what, what, give you like chocolates and have a party when you see them. That's not that's not the end of your journey by any means, but it does means you are now uh, a member.
1: And it's important. I,
0: go ahead, DJ.
1: I was about to say because uh, maybe you probably have the same thought I did. I think the best line in here to kind of also describe it is that it mentions that once you choose to go through with the cathaxis and you've chosen, you know, Satan as your Lord and Savior, for lack of a better term. The, the line that's literally given there is that it unburdens your soul. Yes. Right? That mm-hmm. is impactful because what it's trying to implicate is you no longer feel the guilt of being human anymore, of holding on to those... Resi- like, you don't have those those heartstrings to hold you back. And we've seen this many times on the opposite end, especially in Masquerade, where it's like, you're human. Great. Good idea. You've moved away from evil, or at least you, you held on to this. In reality, when you're taking a look at it from the perspective of the cathexis. You've held on to your beast and let go of that, which you no longer needed anymore. It's And whereas before you're trying to make peace with it, you are now one with it and you could move alongside of it. And that's why it's also important is because it mentions that if you choose not to accept, you know, Satan as your Lord and Savior, that what ends up happening is like you get to walk away. But that was it. That was your one shot. And that's probably the only mercy, if there was any mercy at all, that would have ever been said, because your mind just closes off to the ability of ever having to look back into the darkness again. You're you're going to remain ignorant as far as they're concerned, uh, moving down that path.
0: So there's a quote they have for this that's perfect. That I just remember, and I actually just I'm looking up so I get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's he who makes a beast out of himself gets rid of the pain of being yes. a man. Yes, and
2: that's mm-hmm.
0: and that's exactly what this is from, and I have no doubt that's where they pulled this from. But remember that this is the reverse of what they're talking about of walking humanity. But they're not saying let go. That's the important thing. Often, when people know, well, by the rules, whites, things like that, you're not in control, you're gone, blah, blah, blah. That's great. But what these guys are saying is that's to the weak, Mm non-vampire. They're saying you were never a vampire in the first place, If that happens to you. Because if you truly understood the nature of what you were, you would be free of the burden of the confining consciousness that's holding you back. Unburden your soul. And that's, and that's that. Inmost tug, though, which is why they roll into saying that it's their, your own beast is the inmost tug, right? It's what's urging you to seek out others of your own kind, which gives them the ability to find themselves, and Brentron said. And that's what makes this a, a, a powerful group uh, in that regard. But once you find each other, how does this group of beast-worshipping psychopaths um, end up Ave satanian it everywhere? And here we have that, that dirty word, the faldering.
2: Do you know what that word means? Well,
0: no. What does it mean?
2: I, I recently learned this. Uh, it's it's beautifully insidious. It's apparently a term that came from like the Inquisition in the Middle Ages that refers to, to witches like rituals or compacts made with the devil himself. I was like, well, I had no idea the Sabbat knew that. I wonder if the Sabbat's Inquisition knows that. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> hmm. I wonder if I did know that. After all, I don't know. You played, you both played a game where that was a factor. Just saying.
0: But uh, the point is, uh, the the valdry, as it is, is a little bit different than what we're commonly used to. It as the valdry here, in and of itself, is um, is an act of drinking each other's blood, and it, and it's done by them, and it brings them closer. However, why I say it's different? Is because it doesn't have the pageantry. That we're used to hearing about it, right? Uh, some some games you might have heard, like the Sabbat, obviously, is what we're tiptoeing around. This is mm-hmm. reckless. we don't necessarily want to make it all about that. Right. But this has hallmarks of the Sabbat. This whole group does, right? Bali and the Sabbat rolled into one is what the brood feels like. But you'd be wrong to be that shallow in what they really are. Because here we got them now embracing what it is to be the beast as a strength. And it's its own hallmark, answering to an inner evil that is actually an extension of a greater belief. And a spiritual demi-evil, if you will. And the Valdir is what stops them from harming each other in pursuit of this. Now, what's important, it literally is just pouring blood, mingling it together, and then absorbing it into one another. But what is blood, if not a vessel of the self, is what they're highlighting. So if the three of us were to spill our blood open, dump it into a cup, and then, you know, we take an oath to each other, right? Uh, tomorrow we die, but we become blood brothers in this act. And in fact, I probably don't need to go into that. I, th- I don't know anybody who hasn't gotten into uh, different types of cultures of a primitive uh, nature and hasn't seen or been drawn to the cool factor of, you know, any sort of blood rite or ritual that could bring one closer to another without it having to be sexual or something like that in nature, that oaths mean more when blood is spilt. You know, when there's a ritual provided to the act, it, it, you remember it, you're apt to stick to it. Faldry's part part like that. The other part is it's a literal bond mm. that you're sharing between each other. And its purpose is better. So if you're in the Sabbat and you join the Sabbat, they're going to tell you, okay, you're out the ground, wing. I hit you in the head with a shovel, everybody line up. Everybody drip blood in this box. Everybody bleed in the box, take it around. What is it? It's a magical box. It's going to hold blood. We don't even care what it looks like. We just know it'll be the same box every time. Now, 40 of us put blood in this thing and everybody's going to drink out of it. We're going to say some something about Cain, which has no relation to sharing the blood. And we're going to say we're united in purpose. This is cool. The sex awesome. And we each drink from it. Well, now we're all bound together mystically, and it's great, and that's why the call to ritual, and we move on. Not a whole lot there making you feel why you really do have a bond, other than saying mystically you have to, right? When you read it as is. When I go through and I read this, after understanding the Trinity explanation and the call, and the fact that your beast calls out, and we meet and we encounter one another, and no matter how far you are in your pursuit, we get together in a dark room and I imagine like all sorts of imagery comes into my head and I imagine a burnt out gutted church under a midnight mass with no moon and I for some reason I'm new to the club and I get drawn in but then these, these old some of, the, some of the old evils are there and just some hellish things But I'm, I have no fear I don't come to them a lamb I come to them a fellow wolf and we, we all go to this simple altar and on that altar there's a cup and it's really a skull and there it sits. And it's the skull of the priest who once had this church. They've been here long enough to have prayed on it when it was a community just starting, even though we're in modern times. And I see these guys having this cup and not saying a word. They spill blood into it, whether they cut from their neck or their chest. It's somewhere memorable, and then they pass it around till it gets to you. And then you put your blood in it, and then they just stare at you. And they don't have to tell you what to do next as you sup from it and pass it by in reverse terms or whatever. And then they greet you. And it's just the beginning because you got to do this two more times, right? This is unique. Valdry before was like a one shot done, forget about it in the sabat, and now it'll go up and down every time we do it. And here, not so, right? Um, Because the first time you do it, you know, there's a connection. It forges one an understanding that the participants are awesome, right? Not like the best things since sliced bread, but basically, uh, as it says, it's similar to a to a two step venicle that you mm-hmm. may get with Kindred. And uh, mm-hmm. really what it's highlighting is that that camaraderie's there, they feel a deep and meaningful communion, and uh, the soul there feels like it belongs. And that's important, that each other's soul has bonded on a level and we're all good. However, do this again, and you start feeling a mystical connection uh, to one another, right? And it's uh, The souls open up to the truth of their group dynamic, that they were meant to be together, that each vampire fulfills the other that's in this group. And by the time you get to the third, there is such a profound bonding that it's it's not to be broken. And it develops an actual blood tie. That mystic tie that Requiem is unique to for if somebody was a sire and chilled, right? And I believe that's how it works, if memory serves. It's uh Yep, you're right. We got we gotta have that, right? And there's benefits. I can easily affect you with disciplines, you can affect me with yours. Mm-hmm. Um emotions might be felt if it's strong enough. So on and so forth. And uh that's that's where it's at. But why even bring it up in depth? there's because a lot of you are like, well, that's very similar to what it was before. Yeah, but I hope you get that subtlety.
1: There's also another part of it that it also speaks about. So, like, even thinking about a Sabat Pack who performs a Valdry, and we've seen it in action as well, it's literally to keep them from killing each other, right? It's literally, like, the failsafe. It's putting the collar around their necks to make sure they move too far. Obviously, they're not going to blow their heads, but it's that thing that prevents them from doing so. Here, it specifically states, especially when they reach the third level of the valdry that they find the spiritual center they're not doing it because not only a does it keep them from tearing each other apart and predator's chains and all that but they're doing it because it's almost like uh i i hate to use this this analogy but it's true it's almost like a totem they know their spiritual totem is at the center and they know exactly what their goal is for them to pursue like that's profound instead of everyone going like what are we going to do tonight everyone wakes up and they just take a look at their spiritual center and go like this is what mm-hmm. we're doing. Ancient text tonight. Let's go, mm-hmm. buddy. This is this is what's happening. And no one will question it because they knew by the third drink that this was going to hold them together. So the mystical center is literally there instead of just making sure they don't tear each other apart. And I think that's what completely redefines this wallery from the other. And it'd be so much cooler because no one could debate what that center was. We all signed up for this and or we all found out like we need to find the shroud of Satan. <laughs> this is what we have to do. Let's go ahead
0: and do it. It's 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 interesting how we can't let go of the aspect of that, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of of folks right. like relating to that, <laughs> like you know, obvious tiny is an obvious thing, and that's what goes on. But I also feel that we should give a head nod to the fact that this isn't merely satanic. You would be, oh, of course, you not. Would be, yeah. well, I want to I want to uh-huh. hammer it because um, right. folks will listen to this, and undoubtedly will get okay. It's a satanic thing. Hmm. Well. I don't know if folks know this, Christianity's not the oldest religion in the world, right? No. Um, in fact, neither, neither, the religions of the book aren't. There were their mm-hmm. stuff before, and it's pulling back further. It's actually terrifying, this this group, because they're alluding to the fact that why they call it Demiurge or a force similar to it's so you, the modern reader of this book, the author can make understand, they're trying to tap into a force that has no name. Mm-hmm. Way every
2: every everything has like some like dark aspect. Of whatever their their chief deity was, right? This is this like mirrors that across every culture.
0: Well, let me ask the question: If you're an Aztec and you think about the 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 dark gods that have it, were dark gods something to be feared, or was it dark gods were something to understand?
1: Understand, it's part of life. Yeah.
0: It's part of life. It simply is. But I think today, we feel that if somebody is, uh, is a dark, dark path, whatever... Well, let me, let me rephrase it. Here's where I'm coming from. When you, when you research something like Palo Mayombe, which is a dark religion, deals with black magic. People hear black magic, they think of witches, burn them, kill them. Or they're going to misdirect it, say it's Santeria, it's bad, it's evil. And I enjoyed the analogy an author used. And they said, hey, you know, a lighter can be used to light your cigarette or burn a house down. Mm-hmm. But the lighter itself isn't evil. Right? Is it dark? Certainly, because it deals with passions. And in this, brood points out that the reason why you have a spirit, you you know, you have the body, the soma, the spirit, and the beast is because you're not wrong for having those impulses to want to exert satisfaction when you're hungry, or to satisfy lust when you have it, or to get power is not selfish, it's in your nature. All things in nature seek a form of dominance, right? Mm. Because your urge is to survive and reproduce. And because of that, it culminates into it. But we are the special monkey that wins everything as humans because we like to segregate things and topics and put them where we can understand them and have them stand out as what they are and thus we, know if we, we assess a value and we assign it to them and we say it's special because we group say so. And this book tries not to do that. But when I read it, I see them try not to do that, right? And I don't think anything's more easily explained than the Valdry, right? That, that, that communion, after you do the call and all that and go through it, that's all self, And everybody looks at you as if you're you're pursuing it too. And that's why you're here. Yeah. All right, cool. Perfect, right. So we're not a cult that sat back and said, hey, get our flyer, show up, bring the satanic cookie. We'll know you're in. We'll validate your parking. Not at all, right? This is like, you know why you're here and we know why you're here. We don't know what brought you here, but we know you should be here. Drink up. Mm -hmm. If they even get that far. And then the rest is kind of self-exploration. I would love to see this movie is what I'm saying because absolutely I do not agree with players at all stepping into the arena to play this I don't I didn't get that I I do believe that this is a book defining what they are so that storytellers can best portray them in their chronicle absolutely I agree with
2: that 100% Uh, I could also see this as being like a, a, a good plot like if you got some player that you know maybe they do feel the call maybe their personal plot is them taking those steps I think once you you join that uh what do we call it cathaxis i think that's that's the retirement point or the end of that character story absolutely
0: right there's tools here is what i'm getting at but but why not a player i don't think that has to be said i think they stared at this reality when they made this book and didn't blink Mm -hmm. they're not telling you hey man run out and make sure your players feel even and blah 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 and here's the evils and inhumanity you can do to make that possible no way right I can, yeah. It's a terrifying thing to me. I can't shake loose because we can't get into their distinctions and what you can become later on. But they talk about an evolution. I'll say it a little bit. And an evolution is where, as they per- pursue the pursuit, as it said, as they go further along, they, they actually kind of morph right a little bit. They start changing. And I'm not saying like a full on mutation, but you could do that. I- I'll give a point. I used Bilal's Brood in the second Chronicle I ever did. Of Requiem. And I had this book. it fresh off the press and fresh in my mind. We had to quit after the third game session with my home crew. Because we ran a scene where this thing sat in the back. And it was in the corner of the room. And it was naked. Right? You couldn't tell if it was male or female. And very much androgynous. As it somehow stuck to the corner. The back right corner about 11 feet up off the ground in this auditorium. It was uh, just in the smallest corner that was the darkest point of the room. And the entire time they were in here talking, they couldn't figure out what was causing all this hubbub because there were mortals straight up doing some pretty wild things near this building. And what it was doing, and my plot was simple. I was Nubile Babe with Requiem. I decided that the, uh, was it the uh, Linkeia Sanctum were trying to hunt this thing down and had discovered the more loudmouthed younger youth that's here, the Pandemonium of Blau's Brood. And they didn't get that it was an aeon further along in the pursuit than anything else, and it was just there as a mentor to that which they had caught and killed. Because unabashedly these 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 broodmates they, they couldn't run from whatever threat came towards them. They had to face it head on. But as the players started reading the journals left behind and the props I left and seeing what went on and that they didn't care that they were out in the open overturning cars, killing police, shooting medics in the face. Um like they, they had a pursuit where they were they saved a woman who was pregnant running down the street from three of them. And that that was the that was the line. When they showed up and saw that, they were like, that dude's done. And they thought this guy was like some super elder and they killed him easily. And it empowered the players to pursue it further. Except when one of them discovered this guy had like these obvious markings that were like an attempt at expressing what this guy thought Satanism was. And didn't quite get to, like, because he had the mark and the beast and whatnot. But when they get to the church... What had happened was is that I had their uh, they started feeling urges, and I was describing emotions they were feeling in glimpses that built the terror up to them going actually inside of it. Everybody could see in it, and they saw that it was dark, you know, and a, the resident gangrel could absolutely see inside, but he didn't want to recognize what was in the corner because it was to him alone I was describing what he was looking at, and his problem was its red eyes were staring right at him and he felt they were staring into him. And he thought he knew the beast, which was this whole concept of this character. And so it was urging him to come inside, to come and sit. And he saw that there were people just laying on the floor all around him that were too afraid to move and too weak, really, to run anyway uh, from blood loss. But they didn't have their wounds healed. They weren't licked closed. They were slowly bleeding. But to this thing's pleasure. And he knew that. And in the course of having a villain like that, um, the pressure was far too much for the group right? because fear stopped that game that night and uh, they, they did what you would expect it was like yeah I think nah we're all good it was <laughs> you know they talked about it out of game and was like we had to play D&D for like a three month period to watch yeah. that out like we switch to a hey can we just like kill bad things and be the good people and do that for a little bit bob got a little book you know and it's a little G- too dark.
2: give me three months bob i gotta scrub my imagination clean
0: <laughs> and, and you know what i don't fault them for it because when i thought about it i told them i said where well, you get glee from me i'm actually terrified with you i made the thing i knew what was there but i didn't define it to such a level that it made it unreal because I let their imagination paint the image, too. And when you have something that tells you, like Tongue of the Beast, and they can wordlessly communicate with one another, and those who understand them, which, as you just heard this podcast, they know each other based on the call that you adhere to. Mm-hmm. And it can, nor does it say you can't hear subtle whispers like Brennan was saying earlier. That the Beast couldn't be urging you to do things anyway, but wouldn't it magnify around something that's the eldest amongst them? Wouldn't that voice be easier to hear? Well, it was in the game I ran, and I caution you, ain't no player want to play that. You know, they want to kill that. They might want to go after that. That might be a lot of fun, maybe you say, but it's easier said than done. But uh, to, to that end, we're not going to get, like I said, there's a lot of powers and cool stuff and things like that, rites and rituals. They're in the book. They're very good. They complemented very well. But we went exhaustively over this, so we understand what Bilal's Brood is, which I think was complex to go through. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the Rainbow, guys, I know, DJ, you have felt some type of way about this. You said in between...
1: I did. So, it was interesting. And these are kind of things to bring up, right? And it was uh, it's one of those things that we caught after we were done recording. And it was a moment of reflection because that's what we do, folks. We, we love podcasting. But we always get these insights, especially after we talk about it. Because this is the perfect avenue to do so. So, without further ado, here's some things that I brought up that I thought were worthy of note. Number one, uh, the last story that was actually brought up regarding how Bilal had been this warlord had reminded me of a story that has existed for some time. Um, And it's a true story. There was a, a warlord, a Nigerian warlord, by the name of General Butt Naked who had existed. And what was crazy about it was that he was impenetrable. He would go huh. into battle. I see Bob laughing. <laughs> it's like the name is...
0: General Butt Naked was impenetrable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> However... I'm
0: being childish Uh, this this guy's real I (laughs) want to say DJ I know this guy's real he's real please continue I apologize go ahead go ahead
1: No that's it's funny because when you had me thinking about I laughed too but General Butt Naked existed and what made him crazy was the fact that this guy was literally naked running into battle with only him bandoliers AK-47 how he survived because he would go into villages and he would cut out the heart of children and do it in honor of a darker deity and so long as he ate the heart he believed nothing would touch him and so far as the legend goes, nothing did touch him when he went into battle. And he did this all throughout the 90s until the early 2000s until, for whatever reason, he thought he saw a Jesus figure. And then that's the first time he ever got grazed by a bullet, changed his life around, etc. Why it's important as it relates to the story, and I'm not sure whether or not this was something the developer. I don't know if
0: you want to know this. I'm going to let everybody know that the world um, is a very scary place. You got to know his fate is buck naked. He did that turnaround, joined a church and converted. Yes. Right. right and because he converted he was spared by the vo- government there. Yeah, he's and also said, a preacher. Correct. With a wife and kids and he's free to walk around he killed over 24,000 people. Oh. And I and I wonder where justice is in the world I really do. In that term and and I was told it's cuz I don't know how to turn the other cheek. And I'm sitting there saying you killed 24,000 people. I'm saying there you didn't turn the cheek 24,000 times. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. But please continue DJ. right. <laughs>
1: But yeah, and but it's true. And why it's as important, folks, is because this is to also point out. And as we had you know, reflected upon it post podcast, it's these things do exist. And knowing that it gets scarier when you relate it into a supernatural thing, because you could only imagine how this itself translates. This is you willingly turning to do something of that factor. The other thing that also caught my attention was you've heard us speak about this now in terms of why this is different. And to further extrapolate, when you read this book. Though there might be some things that might be slightly grotesque, there's nothing explicit. In no, there. none. That was also very crazy, right? You would anticipate this would be a black dog book. Let's go ahead and fill mm-hmm. it up with all types no, of imagery. No, just all implication. Falls to the wall. It's all inference. And that's what makes it I actually think there were
0: bare titties in this book. Wasn't there a weird titty shot with like some monstrous chick on it?
2: I don't even think that was in this book. I know it's in like the the 2E core book, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's in this one. The the most like grotesque it, thing I've seen is um what was the name of the hand from the Adams family thing? 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 Yeah, there there's some bloody things walking around in one picture which which I loved to death. I love that power. But uh <laughs> That's, that's the most grotesque, I think. I've I'm sorry.
0: We're, we're derailing DJ. I apologize, DJ. Please continue. Go go ahead, no no! Go no.
1: It's completely fine. But, but but it's cool because what it means is like for such a dark thing, uh, it completely turns that it instead of what you would anticipate is that type of evil that exists there. Um, you
0: know, you, and why that's oh, a mad DJ, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I couldn't do because I, I made the mistake of scrolling up. I actually bookmarked uh, two art pieces in here that, that chilled me to the bone. Um, oh, yeah. there's, there's one in here that's right before Chapter 2, The Devil You Know. And Because uh, you got to remember the imagery of the satanic symbol that is on, uh, on the hand, yeah. right in the handprint, relates to the origin stories, right? And uh, the thing that frightened me about it is, right above it, there's a picture of a guy sitting on a bed with his fingers steepled, and he has a cross hood that he's wearing. Right. Now, to the left of him, there's a girl kneeling on the ground with a smile that almost says, huh, you caught us, right, that has her fangs out looking. <laughs> but there's a pentagram that's on the floor right there. However, on the bed, there's somebody being tortured. They're bleeding from all over the place. They're chained. They're wailing in the darkness. But if you look in the back left, something is crouching on the table. Uh-huh. Right? It's look. It's overlooking what they're doing, and they're treating this like it's Sunday. Right? Like, oh, we're just doing a phone call. Hell style. And I was like, <laughs> right? It, it, they're not like anything I've ever seen in book, which makes them completely unique for me. But please continue, DJ.
1: And... You know, that helps me get to my next segment, which is the last one I had to make, was when we were talking about this, it was one of those things where even I myself am kind of conflicted. Because even reading the developer's notes, um, you think about how balala's Brood was presented in the core book itself. These wild creatures, they were complete antagonists, and it was a easy thing. It was blissful ignorance to treat them that way. I know that you could always rely on a particular type of enemy or adversary or antagonist, so to speak. But when you take a look at them in this book, it completely changed how I felt about them and I'm not sure whether or not I like it but it's something that and I don't mean it in a bad way it's much more like I'm still trying to come to grips with just how in-depth they made them because they almost mean like a covenant itself which they did it is its own covenant but it I, it gives them a lot more sentience than I ever thought I would ever give this covenant or this book does that make any sense I don't know how to bring it up but that's just how I feel about I'll it i would say what if
0: you don't think it makes sense world's your oyster I've done it before can you can you simplify that better so you feel you said it well
1: I feel that um, when I was all right with them being mindless vampires, when I, okay, here we go. When I thought I was all right and until uh, that movie with Paxton and Lance Hendrickson, you know, that Sabat Nomad Pack movie where it's just oh, like near balls dark. to the wall. We're just going to, near dark, right? When I thought it was like near dark and I was like, okay, this is what I'm anticipating out of Belial's Brood. I didn't anticipate uh, Franklin Gilla's character from Ninth Gate where he's walking around with his occult books, and he's like, I got all three books now. Let's go ahead and start this ritual. Yeah. And I was like, I see. This is how they yeah, express
2: themselves. That's, that's why... Uh, man, I freaking love that movie. I, I know you said you, you didn't think it was one of Polanski's best, but that that is. Uh, I, w- I was overjoyed when I saw that on the reference list for this book.
0: It is It is an interesting calling, especially because it becomes the Antichrist, right? That's a, mm-hmm. that's a thing a lot of people don't get about that film. <laughs> And it's it's interesting. Um, but to keep it back on, on the book, um, if you were finished, DJ.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. Those are the works I want to make. So
0: in here, when you guys uh, understand, there's a ton of content we didn't get to. We easily can make this a part three and four, uh, which we want to reserve this. We do have a deep dive series, and we were looking for a book to warm up. And I'm adding that. I'm adding this to the pile that we're going to get to in a later date um, for that to uh, to accompany this 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 book just has so much depth. That uh, that is here. We described this before. We're going to say it again. Um, Requiem has a habit of uh, you you step into something, and it looks like a simple book, right? It might only be a handful of pages, like you know, barely even 170. Then, as you start getting into it, every page is it's filled with quality, Mm -hmm. right? Like no bones quality. It's like every time you turn it, there's some more good stuff, and it goes on and on and on. And and that's what it does. And um, there's been a Correction I want to add, too, and I had to race ahead to make sure I, uh, I had it right. We've been saying, "Hey, on, and what I meant to say was Therion is the, uh, the appropriate... Uh, Therion? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Therion in here. It's one of the factions that they have in here that uh, I deliberately didn't want to get segued off and explaining what it is, because mentioning it, I feel, now i got to dive into it. We don't got that kind of time um, that we're going to make for, uh, for a review. Um, so looking at it at a later date, especially, I'll tell you what helps us bump that, that type of deep dive, um, you guys. So if you folks want to hear more about this awesome book that's very creepy, we got Halloween coming uh, in October. I definitely think this is a contender uh, for a book we may go in deep on uh, to do it from an entertaining angle. Like we might describe, you know, do a mock journey of how somebody might answer the call and get Texas and all that. Crystallize being an adversary and get into what a theory on is and to some of the rites and rituals in this book. And to that end, this book does have rituals and rites in it. Don't get the impression it doesn't. They're smooth. What I mean by that is, as you read them, they get into a type of communion. They're almost dangerously close to being familiar uh, on a lot of levels as to what these they, they do, and you got to appreciate something that goes that hard. And I said I wouldn't run a game where players would play these things because I also feel, and I'll caution you, that it waters down a good villain when you let your players play it at all as a storyteller. Yeah. And this there is a are- uh,
2: good. There are some books I, I, uh, I don't ban any books from like players that are in my game from being read, right? But I'm like, hey, you'd enjoy this a lot better if you don't read this book or if you don't read this big chapter in this book.
0: But uniquely, when you're told about this book, like we're doing right now, if we do a deep dive and tell you what Ethereum is and you never look it up, it's like we're sitting around a campfire. And you're hearing this great story that exists out there. And wouldn't it be cool? And then you forget about it. And then you play a Requiem game. And your ST, who saw this, throws it right in your way. And you don't know it for what it is because they do it in, in their unique way. Which makes it a slow burn that leads to, to a terror ride that hopefully you kill this evil thing when you find it. Um, if you can. Or your character ends up agreeing with them that the world should be the way they see it. And that would be just right with Bilal's brood either way. And that should scare you alone. Um... That being the case, um, Brennan, thank you very much. DJ, thank you as always, guys. Uh, It's a pleasure. Of course. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And next week, we have Project Twilight uh, for Werewolf that we'll be going over. Um, Long-awaited for some people because Project Twilight we've kind of visited before, and I think we barely touched on it uh, just from a vampire perspective. We're like, these are hunters, and Project Twilight's in it. And we rolled through, and we promised we would hit it from the other end to describe that perspective, and we are. And we're going to do that from the werewolf end uh, because I think it's funny mortals are trying to hunt
2: werewolves. And I will. (laughs) That's it. It it worked out great in dog soldiers, right? Yeah. Right. uh, (laughs) Assuming dog. Yeah, yeah. That's just. (laughs) Well, on that note, folks, thanks for listening.
0: I will tune in next time.
2: See you soon. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to our 25
0: Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, at our email info at 25yearsvtm.com, on Facebook at slash 25yearsvtm, or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com. If you would like to support us, We can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.